0: this is open to hope radio featuring dr gloria horsley and her daughter dr heidi horsley coming to you on behalf of the open to hope foundation dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss
1: now here's dr gloria welcome to the open to hope show i'm your host dr gloria horsley with my co-host dr heidi horsley heidi good morning from california Good afternoon from New York City, Mom. How are you? Good. Uh, we've got on today, I, I love our topic today because it's on dating and remarriage and uh, after you, the loss of a spouse. And it's an important show for people because there are a lot of issues connected with dating and remarriage. And you're going to hear about him today. And the person who's going to be talking about him, Steve Harris, is one of our Open to Help writers. So, Heidi, why don't you uh, give a little intro on Steve?
2: Okay, and Mom, as you said, we will be talking about dating and remarriage today, and our guest is Steve Harris. Steve is the president of Creative Edge Communications, a production company in Southern California. He wrote and produced About Tomorrow, an hour-long CD full of encouragement for those in the first six months after loss, featuring interviews with real people who have been there, along with his own experience losing his wife to cancer. Welcome to the show, Steve. Steve.
3: Thank you, Heidi. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Hi, Steve, and we love oh, yeah. we love your voice. Steve is oh, the- <laughs> Steve, the voice of Open to Hope Radio and Television, our grief relief television show. So you'll hear him when he talks about, it. and I love it. And I'm sitting there on on radio and TV, particularly TV. Heidi and I are sitting there, and it suddenly says, "And now with Steve's voice, and now Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi, <laughs> and we <laughs> know we're on." <laughs> You do such
2: a great job for us. Thank you so much for those introductions.
3: It's my pleasure.
1: Uh, Well, talk a little bit about the death of your wife to begin with before we get into dating and remarriage.
3: Well, my wife, Julie, and I had been married for 28 years. She came down with a very aggressive, sinister, relentless breast cancer, that spread to her liver, and she passed away in October of
0: 2005.
3: Mm. Um, and uh, tragic loss. I have two daughters. Uh, one was still living at home at the time. The other was in college. Now they're 23 and 28, and uh, one is married, the other engaged. And uh, a lot of uh, time has come. We're you know seven and a half years downstream from that loss now, but I still miss her every day. And uh, life is going on, and we're doing very, very well, actually. But uh, uh, had some ups and downs along the way. It's been a a, uh, an educational journey for certain, but uh, sometimes difficult, uh, but you
1: know, joyful as well. Now, Tommy, are you married now? No. Okay. All right, but you did get married, and let's just jump right into that about (laughs) (laughs) about. Talk about dating, and how long did you go before you started dating? I'm, you know, a widower, a widower out there, and I'm wondering how long after Julie died.
3: Well, uh, basically what happened is after about six months had gone by, my daughter actually came to me, my older daughter, said, Dad, you sit around the house a lot. You're not doing anything. You're not going. You really ought to start dating again, and my jaw dropped that my daughter would be saying
1: this to me. My jaw my jaw's dropping too. How about yours, Heidi? <laughs> I often find my
2: out. jaw's dropping, but it's jaw dropping because I love your daughter. So many kids out there never, ever, ever want their parents to start dating again. And all she wanted for you is happiness. So my heart well, All, all she for wanted
3: for me actually was somebody for me to go to the movies with. Uh, <laughs> <she's> never, <laughs> there you go. She never expected that anything beyond that would happen. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, that know, makes Had sense. she had she known where that might lead, she might have reconsidered that advice. Yeah. But she did plant a seed in my head, and um, she what gave ended you permission to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. And to I, da- I to start
2: dating, but like you said, she didn't realize it would go beyond
3: that. Mm-hmm. And I took it and ran with it like a bull, and uh, <laughs> like a guy. Got, got on a on a very popular internet dating site and uh, met some people. And it was a interesting experience because it, I suddenly remembered what it was like to be in high school. Now, uh, now wait and, a minute. You
1: know, I, I want you to, st- to just give us a, a quick little spot at that. Okay, how was it to sit at your computer and to go into that site the very first time? Do you remember and put in what you did?
3: Absolutely easy. Okay. What was hard was the first date. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, the first date uh, was with a, a, a nice lady who spent the first thirty minutes of the conversation telling me why no one in her late husband's family liked her. And <laughs> by the time she was done, I agreed with the family. <laughs> <laughs>
1: where, where did you Where did you meet your first date? Was it, it, did they tell you to get coffee or what? How do you?
3: Uh, it was at a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, sometimes um, I hear they say you should just do coffee.
3: <laughs> well, it was lunch. You know, it wasn't okay. It was just okay. lunch. Okay, (laughs) but um, who paid? You know, and I met I met a couple of other people, and there are some war stories around there. But I met some very nice people as well.
1: Um, Oh, give us one more uh, war story.
3: Well, there was one lady who sat down at the table, and she said, um, "Well, you know, I I was kind of hoping to have this taken care of before I met you today, because I was really, really looking forward to our date." And I said, "What's that?" And she said, "Well." I was planning to, to move out of the house, uh, of the man that I've been living with. <laughs> and I, 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 uh, excuse me. Well, yeah, she'd been living with this guy because she didn't have enough money to move out on her own. Um, and she had a son living with them. It was a tragic story. Uh, and my heart broke for this woman who was essentially, pardon the expression, prostituting herself for a place to live. Um, uh-huh. And she thought that having just moved out of that situation, she'd be in perfect shape to start a new relationship with me. Well,
1: But of course.
3: (laughs) uh, Okay. All right. I thought I was in bad shape. My goodness. (laughs) Um, But uh, I did end up meeting a lady who I uh, dated for a year, was engaged to for a year, and then we got married.
1: Now, how did you decide Uh, to get married? I mean, you were going along... You know, involved.
3: Well, all right. Let me let me get to that by saying this. You know, there's a there's a saying, a very popular saying goes, "If, if it ain't broke, don't fix it." Mm-hmm. You know. Um, well, if you've had a recent loss, like within the last couple of years, you know that it is broke. Everything's broke, right? Your whole life is broke. Right. My suggestion: still, don't fix it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: That's that's tough advice for men to hear because we're fixers, you know. Give us the right tools, we can make anything out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Right, but the fixes we make during that time of our life don't wind up being fixes at all. Mm -hmm. And that was the case for me. I wound up, I found myself married to um, a verbally abusive lady with an anger, with a huge anger problem, and a drinking problem as well.
1: Wow, and and you had no uh, idea, you had no clue.
3: Well, see, that's the thing about fixing it. Were the warning signs there? You betcha. In hindsight, you know, there were these little yellow flags. And I said, well, you know, yellow flags. We can deal with yellow flags. Well, men take it from me. There's no such thing as a yellow flag. Yellow flags are really red flags in disguise. Uh, red flags meaning you're heading uh, down a freeway and the bridge ahead of you is out. This is no time to be stepping on the gas. Um, you know, in the general population, second marriage is fail at the rate of 60%.
1: Wow. In the old days, I heard it was even 70. So maybe more people are living together without getting married now.
3: Yeah. The potential for a widower who marries too soon or for the wrong reasons or with unrealistic expectations, that's much, much, much higher. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, I'm afraid I found myself in that category. And see, what I was trying to do is uh, it was broke. So I tried to fix it.
1: Now, did the, did the girls to... see that it was broken? Did they, did they
3: not, question you going to the into extent the marriage or... that it, Not that it, to the extent that it was. And, of course, their feelings were all wrapped up with, uh, you know, what's going on with Dad. How does it, what does this say about Mom? Um, and how's Dad going to relate with me now that he's got this new wife? And um, uh, so they had, they had all those issues. And really they, they didn't even see how deep the pit really was. Mm
1: -hmm. was Now, now let me ask you a question. Um, I kind of wonder, is it also intimacy issues? Being uh, intimate with somebody, you know, um, is that an important thing for guys? I know women, uh, you know, some of the women we've talked to get involved in relationships because they want intimacy. Other women say that it's not that important for them. You know, is is that part of what drives people into uh, these relationships early?
3: That's certainly a part of it, but, um, but it goes so far beyond that as well, there's there's sexual intimacy, there's mm-hmm. companionship, and for a man, a lot of times we're looking, you know, we need help organizing our world, not just doing housework. I'm not talking about things like that. I was really self-sufficient with cooking and house cleaning and all that. Kind. I managed my household just fine, but maintaining relationships with friends, you know, that was something my wife did mm-hmm. for me and with me. Um, Uh, you know, when birthday cards or gifts were bought, she typically did that. Um, There were, there were so many things, uh, you know, and, and just to have somebody to be with, just have somebody sitting next to you when you're watching a movie on TV uh, or to go to a concert with or or do things like that. Um, It just, it just felt empty, you know? Um, So there, there are so many factors.
1: Let me ask you a question about that. Is what would you say to men out there you can fill those uh, in other ways or you can get involved with people but don't get married um, you know what, what is your thought about that
3: well you know there's an ad- old adage that goes when there's death in a marriage women mourn and men replace
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. and
2: you see, you see that in divorce we, too. Can, we,
3: can, we can couch it in any terms we want and we can really mm-hmm. dress it up and I was an expert at this I was an Mm -hmm. expert at at making the case that I could argue the case for remarriage and why I was so healthy. I went to a counselor, actually, and said, am I really ready to be doing this? And the way I made the case to her, she just patted me on the back and said, you go, you know, you're doing great. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of how we rationalize it, even if we're not looking to replace our spouse, there are certain holes in our life that we're trying to fix, that we're trying to hold, that we're trying to fill. You know, women uh, tend to do that differently. They're, they're more, uh, you know, their basis is more emotional. A man's, a man's reference point is more rational, logical, analytic, you know. Uh, that helps us sometimes and hurts us in other times. Uh, so, you know, we're real good rationalizers. We're real good at making the picture look the way we want it to look. And that's, that's to be honest, what I did. I had myself convinced that, yeah, sure, there are challenges, sure, there are obstacles, but, you know, what good thing in life doesn't come without challenges, right?
1: Right, and well, I can do it, yeah.
3: You know, and that's that's the kind of thing that I went in. And, and really, uh, I had all the warning signs I needed to make a wise decision, but when it comes down to it, in the hard light of hindsight, um, I chose unwisely, as it says in the, in the famous movie, uh, and uh, that's you know that's what I did. Um, you know, I have a friend who's colorblind, and uh, so if you put a, a blue sock, a red sock, and a brown sock in front of him. Uh, They're all going to look like various shades of gray socks, right? Um, So, you know, the good thing for him, though, is he knows he's colorblind. He knows he doesn't have the capacity to distinguish between the socks. So he asks his wife for help because he's smart enough to know that only an outside perspective is going to give him a vision for things he doesn't have the capacity to see on his own. And even though I was telling myself, I'm so ready for this new relationship, I was colorblind. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I was. So, I, so Steve, I mean,
2: how long were you? How long were you married to the second, two to the second person? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. And in hindsight, it sounds like what you would have done differently is dated, but not jumped into it. Not you actually didn't jump in. Dated, but not gotten remarried. So soon. is that correct, or I would
3: have, I would have dated more intelligently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have been more aware of the warning signs. I would have investigated, I wouldn't have been willing to compromise, Hmm. Uh, I wouldn't have been willing to say, well, this will get better when we're married, because nothing gets better when you're married, everything gets harder. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's bad, it just means that it's harder. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, engaged couples are are wise to work out their issues before they get married, because they're going to be anywhere from 2 to 10 times harder to work out once you're
1: married. Right. You know, well I've got a friend who actually you know was in the um, he's a lawyer and works a lot with criminals and he says, "Hey, uh, you know, if you're if you're going to get into a relationship, you need to have a background investigation." <laughs> so <laughs> get a report. Well, I, you know, I can't
3: I can't argue with that, but even beyond the things that an investigator would find you know, a bad credit score or, you know, relationships they're not telling you about. There are emotional cues, and men are kind of dense when it comes to emotional cues. We need to kind of pay more attention to that and rely on people that care about us, people that know us, and and Mm -hmm. take their insights seriously.
2: Steve, Uh, was there anybody uh, of of your friends or family or anything that came to you and said, look, I don't know that this is such a good fit, you and this
3: person, or no? Not, not per se. They hinted okay. around at it, but boy, after the divorce, people came out of the woodwork saying, "You know, I, I knew she, I never, I knew she was never right for you." Okay, <laughs> uh, I said, "Why didn't you tell me?" Well, you seem so happy. We didn't want to. We didn't want to take away your happiness. You deserved so much happiness after Julie died,
1: mm-hmm. and
3: and we didn't have the heart to do it. I, I said, "Okay, for future reference, if you ever <laughs> see me heading for the end of a cliff again, <laughs> you grab uh, grab the nearest blunt object." and hammer on me until you get my attention. And mm-hmm. you don't stop no matter how much I scream.
1: <laughs> okay, now... <laughs> because
3: na- if you're really my friend, you will tell me the blunt, honest truth, and you'll take the risk.
1: Okay, now tell me this. You've, how long have you been divorced? Uh, two years. Okay, how have you filled those gaps for yourself? Did you, mm-hmm. did you find an aha of how to go in and fill those gaps now? Are you, you're working well, on I've it?
3: Well, in that time, I've had a grandchild. My older daughter's had a, her first baby, and he is
2: oh, a joy.
3: Yeah. So I babysit him once a week. Um, you know, I got uh, more involved in church.
1: And by I the way, those them. babies are a lot of hugs and kisses, aren't they? And a lot of mm-hmm. drooling a and a lot, a lot of
2: touching. Yeah, a lot of touching. You can be, you can be touch-deprived yeah. after mm-hmm. you lose
3: a spouse. hmm Hugs, hugs are a precious commodity, and you just can't get enough of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've gotten more active at church with the with the media team, which is where my gifting is. So that's something mm-hmm. that's a natural fit for me. And I am seeing a very sweet lady now, and uh, we are we have a wonderful relationship and have a great time. Her husband passed away from cancer six days after my wife did. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow! So imagine amazing. that
3: gave us a lot to talk about uh, in Absolutely. our first times together. And um, and we are planning uh, to be married sometime, perhaps at the end of this year, maybe a little longer. But, uh, boy, the, the night and day contrast uh, between the failed relationship and this one, uh, its it's stark in its comparison. It really is.
1: Okay, so give us one quick piece of advice for those guys out there that have just recently had a loss.
3: Well, first of all, you know, realize that you are incapable of diagnosing your own state of readiness, especially Mm -hmm. in the first year. You know, when my wife died, I went into the fog. You know the fog, it's that that la-la land where we can't focus, we can't think, and the world kind of closes in around us, right? Mm -hmm. Well, eventually I started feeling like I was coming out of it, but that doesn't mean that I really had. You know, if I had been smart enough to realize that I was still colorblind, you know I might have listened more to people telling me that my socks didn't match romantically. you mm-hmm. know and and being a little more cautious and just just observing life from the point of view that knowing I'm not quite all there and that it's okay that I'm not quite all there. But taking that more into consideration, i I would have waited. And
1: uh, would you have then, waited to date? Know, would you tell them to wait to date or just wait to marry? When can well, I go when can a, I go on one of the dating sites?
3: Should should I wait to start a snowball rolling down the hill knowing that it's going to pick up more snow and it's going to be a mountain of snow by the time it reaches the bottom and gravity is a very very powerful force that you can't always stop.
1: So you might want to wait so, for a little while out there, huh?
3: That would be my advice.
1: All right. You know,
3: give it give it time it's it and that's that's a hard thing to say because you know your life is
1: broken, right? And it's um, nice to you know. I know we want to gather things after we've had loss. You know, um, I actually got a dog, and <laughs> that, this sounds weird, but it was sure,
3: great. Sure. So I uh, did too. I did too. Yeah. And my little Molly, she's my yeah. she's my best little friend. And there were times when my there were times when my wife was screaming and yelling at me, and little Molly, who's all of nineteen pounds. Uh, stood in front of me with her back to me, facing my wife, as no. if to protect me from her attack. Huh? No. And, and, uh, so. You, you better know how I bonded with that little dog
1: yeah mm-hmm. well listen Steve tell people how they can find you um, and, uh, and say a little bit about where they can get your CD about tomorrow and also I want to say if any of you need somebody to announce your TV or radio show or whatever or you need any kind of uh, media things like that Steve is amazing
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> yes well thank you I appreciate that and we, we do do all sorts of radio and television production and we're always happy to help people with that About Tomorrow is a project that's very close to my heart, because a lot of my experience is is in there, as well as the experiences of about 20 other people who'd lost someone they loved, uh, parents, spouses, children. One of them had a child murdered. Um, Some of them had great relationships with the people they lost. Others were a little more troubled, and they had a difficult time with it. But they share a lot about what helped them, what didn't, um, and how they eventually you know, walked through the grief process and started to come out the other end. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of encouragement there. It's it's a companion for someone who's uh, lost someone close to them and is just feeling kind of lost. Uh, you can find out more about it by going to uh, abouttomorrowcd.com, and uh, you'll, you can hear samples of the program. You can order it online, and uh, we think it'll be a, a great gift to give to somebody who's lost someone they love.
1: All right, Steve, and visit steve at opentohope.com because he's one of our Open to Hope writers, and he said he's going to do a new article from the show, right?
3: (laughs) And the article is going to include some things we didn't have time for today, including some specific uh, count-the-cost steps, things that you will most likely face as a widower uh, considering remarriage that you may not have considered or may not have given the weight that they deserve. Pretty, uh, Hmm. Pretty hefty things that I found out by going through them the hard way.
1: Great, Steve. Well, thanks again for uh, being on the show, and we hope to see you one of these days. And maybe you can uh, figure out how to come down to Palo Alto and be on uh, one of our grief loss TV shows. I'd love it.
3: I would love that. A good road trip every once in a while is a good thing, and it's not (laughs) that far a drive from Southern Cal.
1: Good. All right. Thanks again for being on the show, and have a good day. You too. God bless. Thank you. Well, Heidi, what important information. You know, I was going to call this show Dating and Remarriage, but it is now going to be called Men and Loss because uh, it is really, really a great show.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree with you, and I love what Steve said when he said, we are incapable of diagnosing our own readiness mm-hmm. because you, all, you know as well as I do, when we first have a loss, we're pretty much in a fog, and it's hard to step back and know what is in our, what's best for us. Yeah. we are trying to fill those voids and those gaps.
1: Absolutely. We just want to take in and gather when we've had so much loss. So it's important that the things that you do gather aren't things that are going to impact you for many, many years to come. And, and I like uh, Steve's advice about holding off on, on relationships yes, for a while. To. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to our show today. And uh, please visit us on Facebook and uh, on our website, opentohope.com. And God bless.